Well, this morning we're going to uh, be in a couple of different sections of the Bible, but um, uh, if you missed last week, we had a, a wonderful time. God showed up in a unique way, and we had a, a wonderful time together, wonderful time of praise and prayer, and um, I want to speak this morning out of uh, just a, a full heart of all that God is doing and and help you remember that uh, even though God is the creator of the universe, he has done all the work on the cross. We can't work our way into salvation, right? It's a free gift received by grace. There's, we either receive it or we don't. But we still have a part to play in how God works in our life. God does his part and we have to do our part. Because we can resist the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? We can resist and reject Jesus Christ. And, and part of that is because maybe we're confused or maybe we're self-conscious or whatever it is. But the reality is that for those of us that are believers this morning, maybe the reason we don't see the life we want to see or have the prayers that we answer that we want to have is, is we're really not positioning ourselves to allow God to do what he wants to do. And I'm not just talking about uh, physically, I'm talking about spiritually, but even in the rest of your life. See, part of the issue that we have in today's world is that people push church off to part of their life instead of allowing Jesus to be in all part of their life. And how we position ourselves with Jesus here can affect what happens through the rest of the week. How you relate to people, how you see the blessing of God in your life, how it works in your family, how it goes with your money. It depends on how you position yourself and and, and it's so important and it's so vital. I mean, you think about sports, and, and I used to coach multiple sports, and, and all the time we talked about stance or position or, or any of that in you, and they call it many things. You can call it position, you call it stance. I, I thought it was strange when I first learned to, to golf. Uh, somebody said, well, you need to address the ball. And I'm like, hello, ball. <laughs> I'm Tony. <laughs> Please go straight. But that's not what they meant. Finding the proper distance, finding the proper spot, finding the proper stance. If you're in football, whether it's an offense or defensive stance, all the linemen get into a a stance. They get into a position. In basketball, you have a stance. All everything that's active in sports has has a stance. And even in our spiritual lives, there are stances. And so I wonder this morning, what's your position? Not on whether you believe Jesus. I hope you do. And, it's, and, and you're welcome to be here with us. If you don't, if you've got questions, that's awesome. Uh, we want to invite you to keep coming and figure that out and read the Word for yourself. Try the, try the book of John. Try the book of Romans. Those are great places to figure out what Jesus has done and who He is. But I, my question is, what is your stance? Last week, I... I opened up the altar and explained what my heart was about the altar, that, that somehow in our modern age we've almost forsaken it, that nobody wants to make that walk anymore. Nobody wants to come and bend a knee anymore. And that's part of our position. But it starts on the inside, not on the outside. And so I want to share a, a couple of passages from the Bible with you and as we talk through this and, and help you realize what God has done and, and that there's a part that all of us have to play as well. I think it's the highlight of arrogance to just say, okay, God, you do everything. I don't have to do anything. I just sit back and watch. Now, if that's your stance, you're wrong. God can deliver just like that. 
but then you have to walk in it. God can save you just like that, but then you have to live it. We have an active part of what we're supposed to do. That's like saying, okay, God, you've done everything. I don't even need to pray because you've done everything you're going to do. Not only is that fatalistic, but it leaves you futile of not doing all that you could do. We've got a part to play in our faith. Ephesians even, or uh, uh, Philippians even talks about this. He says, God works in us. And we work out our salvation. And because he works in us, we can work out what we know. But we have a job to do. Uh, faith is like a muscle that has to be exercised or it gets weaker and weaker and weaker. And, I, and I'm not prepping this saying that, oh, man, I want this huge altar. Sometimes that's ego. I'm just going to be, be real honest this morning. Sometimes pastor want, wants the, the altars full so that it makes him feel good. All I'm asking you is, what's your position? Why don't you allow the Holy Spirit to move on you more? Why don't we bend our knees in prayer anymore? Why don't we fully engage in worship anymore? Why don't we open up all areas of our life to the leading and the convicting of the Holy Spirit anymore? Why don't we pray those big prayers like we used to when we first got saved? What has happened? Has our position changed? It's not that we stop believing, but somehow something changed. And if God doesn't change, then something in us changed. And that may be uncomfortable this morning, but I hope that if you can see this, you can see that God is fully ready. But many times throughout the Bible, He's there, He's ready, and, and He's waiting on us when we think we're waiting on Him. So join me if you would. We're going to be in John chapter 5 real quick. We're going to talk about some positioning this morning. This is a great story, John chapter 5. Jesus does uh, an incredible thing, and, and he's always good at this. And as you're, as you're turning there, I, I want to share something about Jesus. See, the reason that Jesus got in so much trouble with the religious people of his day is not that he was doing good things. They didn't have a problem with his good things. They had a problem with how he did it and when he did it. And even most of the people that he met, he would ask them crazy questions like, do you want to be made well? And then they would have a weird answer instead of saying, yes, of course, please, right now. Nope, they would say something else. And so it's a matter of positioning of, am I in a place that I'm really ready to say yes? Am I, do I really believe he can do it? Or, or does he have to do it on a certain day? Does he have to do it a certain way? Do I, have to, do I have to stand? Do I have to kneel? Do I have to come to an altar? Do I have to? And the answer is no, but you still have to be ready spiritually. Because it's not about your geographic location per se, but I still believe that when I moved physically, my spirit tends to be ready. And when I'm shut off physically, my, tear, my spirit tends to be closed. And maybe you're not like that, and, and that's great. But what I am saying is if you look around in many, many churches around the world, more and more people seem to be distancing themselves from approaching God 
coming before him, moving into a position or a place where God can work on them in a way he wants to work on them because they're worried maybe about looks or shame or whatever they're worried about. I don't know what it is, but we're out of position. And so you think about a football player that there's a, the, the, the play is called for a pass, but he doesn't run the right route. Now the, the quarterback throws where the route is supposed to be, but the receiver doesn't run the right route. Whose fault is that? Quarterback called the play. That's God. He tells us which route to run. But sometimes we get bumped off our path. Sometimes we forget and we want to run a different route. And then either a lack of a pass is received or even possibly an interception. And we're not talking all football this morning, but Maybe God is trying to get prayer back to you, but you're out of position. Maybe God's trying to get healing to you, but you're out of position. Maybe God's trying to bring blessing to you, but you're out of position. And one way, let me just be blunt this morning, we'll get over this big, this big sharp point and get into the good stuff. Maybe the reason that you're out of position is that this is the extent Sunday of your spiritual experience and Monday through Saturday is all about you. And that will make you be out of position, whether you can believe that or not. When we only focus on God for two hours on a Sunday, if you can even make it that long, we make ourselves out of position because even if He wants to move, you're not ready. You've got to think about it. You've got to pray about it. And we even see this in the Bible, but, and we'll get there sooner or later. But join me in John chapter 5. We're going to begin with verse 2. Now, there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. And it has five porches, five places for where it used to be there for worship as, as a demonstration. And, and in these lay a great multitude of sick people that are blind lame, paralyzed, and they're doing something. Look what they're doing. They're waiting for the water to move. Okay? I don't know how this started. I don't know when it started, but somehow when the water moved in these pools, somebody gets in and they get healed. And so everybody's lining up. Word has spread, and now this whole place is covered with people of lame and blind and paralyzed, and, and they're just waiting because it didn't happen just every time. They couldn't set their clock by it. Number one, they didn't have watches back then. But they would wait, and they would watch, and they would wait, and they would watch, and, and they're waiting for that water to move. And it says that an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Now, that sounds kind of weird. Maybe you're not so sure you believe in angels. You should believe in it. It's right there in the Bible. It's, it's one of God's creations. It's just the way that it is. But here's the harder part. Why didn't he just stir the water all the time? That's a great question. Why doesn't just God move powerfully all the time? Why isn't every church service just filled with the incredible, overwhelming power of the Holy Spirit? You have to ask God. But we rarely see that he does that in the Bible even, and yet we seem to want that to happen. Well, if God's going to move, he's just going to move. Hang on. 
An angel comes down, stirs the pool up in the water. Then whoever stepped in first, the first person, whoever was in position, after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. So here's like the first hint of a wishing well that we ever see in the world. Everybody there's got a need. Everybody there's watching. They're waiting for the stirring of the water. And, and obviously they can't see when the angel comes down for whatever reason. The angel does come down. He stirs the water. And whoever's able to get in the pool first gets healed. No matter what they've got going on, they get healed. That's pretty powerful. But now there's a certain man who'd had an infirmity for 38 years. We don't know what the infirmity is. It could be anything. I'm assuming he's having a hard time walking based on the rest of the story. But look what happens. So he's had this problem for 38 years. Now Jesus sees him lying there. And he knew that he already had been in that condition a long time. Isn't that good to know that Jesus knows what's going on with us? But look what he says. He goes to the man and he asks, do you want to be made well? And the man, I think in his heart, says, yeah, duh, that's why I'm here. And maybe you've been like that in church. Yeah, duh, that's why I'm here. I want God to do something. I want fill in the blank. But listen to how the man answered. I'm sure you've heard this before. But the sick man answered, didn't answer the question. Look what he says. Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another one steps down before me. See, it's a matter of position, isn't it? I want to be there. I'm trying to get there. In fact, it sounds like he's tried before, but every time, by the time he gets there, somebody beats him to the pool, and it's frustrating. And he says, I don't have anybody to help me get to the pool. Notice that he thinks that's his problem. Are you with me? He believes he can be made well, but he doesn't think that the problem is his infirmity anymore. He thinks that the problem is he doesn't have anybody to help him get to the pool. And I think there's times in our life we get things mixed up. We're dealing with stuff and we think we've got to get someplace. We've got to do something. I need somebody to help me. And Jesus is right here for us saying, do you want to be made well? You don't have to go to church that day. What happens if it's Tuesday? You don't have to. You can pray. You can ask. I am with you all the time. And we say, yeah, but you don't understand. I mean, is it possible to get saved on a day other than Sunday? Good God, I hope so. Well, how does that happen if you're not at church? Got nobody to put me in. Now, the rest of the story is that Jesus takes care of it and helps him to realize it didn't matter your position. I say, get up and walk. But notice that Jesus was in a position to help, but the man wasn't even in the right frame of mind 
to even receive and know who Jesus was. Isn't that amazing? Now, here's the good news. We've talked about the hard stuff. Here's the good news. You and I now have a man to help us get to that place, don't we? And that man is Jesus Christ. Right? If he is the same yesterday, today, and ever, and if he's no respecter of persons, then he is the one that comes into our life. When we can't get to where we think we need to go, Jesus is there, but we still have a part to play because he says to the man, get up and walk, and guess what the man had to do? He didn't say, well, if you want me healed, you get me up and walk. But I think sometimes we do that. If you want me to stop doing X, Y, and Z, then you make me stop. How about you just receive it by faith? You position yourself and say, Lord, I want whatever you've been praying for, and I'm going to do my part. If your word says it, I don't have to wait anymore. I can receive it by faith. And I'm not talking about word of faith times. I'm not talking about name it and claim it. I'm talking about moving out by faith. And many times we just have to believe and then do our part. Yes, pray. Please pray, but then do your part. You're trying to stop smoking. Jesus can heal you from that, but you have to stop buying cigarettes. If he really wants me to stop. He can heal your marriage, but you have to do your part. There has to be forgiveness. There has to be a tender heart. There has to be a process. Or, Lord, you just change her and our marriage will be fine. Or, you do your part. We have to position ourselves. The blind man that came to Jesus had to come to Jesus. Right? And I feel sorry for those blind guys. Because if you ever read how he did it, they're standing there unable to see, and he bends down and he spits into the mud. He makes a holy loogie, right? I mean, (laughs) puts it on their eyes. Now that's, now again, listen. God does things unusual ways, but it's our job to do our part. He said, now go wash your eyes. What do you see? The man says, I see men walking around like trees. Great. Go wash them again. He still had his part to do. No, you just heal me right now. I'm tired of this. Quit giving me these men like trees things. But even more so, how about the guy that had a speech problem? You read that story? You know what Jesus did there? Jesus likes spit. It's one thing to have him spit in the mud and put it on your eyes. It's another thing when he says, open up. We're going to fix that tongue because now you can see it coming. Do it another way. Your God, do it another way. <laughs> right? 
But the Bible's full of it. Washing the dirtiest river around. How's that going to make me clean? Because it's not the environment, it's Jesus. And he's wanting to know if our heart is in position. It has nothing to do with the water. It has nothing to do with the spit or the mud or any of that stuff. It has to do with us and where our heart is and whether we're aligned with him to receive it or not. Just like this man, he could have said, I'm not getting up. You see my legs? I've been like this for 38 years. Yeah, very funny, dude. Get up and walk. Or will you be positioned? Say, this is my chance. I mean, what's he got to lose? What's he got to lose? And I wonder sometimes, what have you got to lose by going all the way out? Sometimes I I think people are like, well, I don't want to go too far. I don't want to be extreme. Maybe it takes extreme faith to see what God can fully do if we ask for big things. What are you asking for? The comfortable things, the easy things? Sometimes we're asking for things only we can do, and we don't need God. But if we're going to ask God for big things then be ready to make sure that you are positioned to move when he says to move. To do what he asked you to do. He asked us that we're going to get saved. He, he also says, how about that unclean spirit? Think about this again. They bring a, a man with an unclean spirit to the disciples. They can't fix him. And Jesus said, have I not been with you all this time? Have you not got this figured out? Bring him over here to me. And he says something. Now, again, I want you to understand the spiritual nature of this. Jesus always said, bring them here to me, right? He brings him over and he says something that if you, if you don't read it right, you can miss the positioning. He says, this kind only comes out through prayer and fasting. Did you know those are spiritual positions? Jesus often went away to pray. Jesus often fasted. And and not because of the doing without food. Doing without food without God involved is just a diet. But he positioned himself to discipline his spirit and to keep himself in the right alignment, the right position with God. And then he didn't have to go away and take two weeks to pray and fast to get the unclean spirit out. It went like that. And what he's telling the disciples as well is, you need to be fasting and praying. You need to be doing this on a regular basis so that when the time comes, you don't have to go find the right position to get this man healed. Why make him wait until you're ready? What if we position ourselves to be ready when God moves? Think about that in the church. People want God to move But are you ready to move? Because sometimes the way he moves isn't how we want him to move. Many times he moves in conviction. Many times he moves in intercessory prayer. Many times he moves in ways that seem not so good to our flesh. And we're like, that's not of God. It definitely is of God, but you were out of alignment. You weren't ready to move. I think about uh, all the years I coached football, and you get new p- kids that come in every year, and, and many of them have played football before, but 
how many of you know that between like 7th grade and 10th grade, people get bigger, stronger, faster? <laughs> and you see some of the basics that are broken down. And it's always funny slash sad to see somebody who thinks that they know how to tackle get run over several times by somebody that's running because they're in the wrong position. They know what they're supposed to do. You're going to tackle that guy, right? Here he comes. Get ready to tackle him. Bam! You're in the wrong position. Get up. Try it again. Okay, come on again. Here we go. You know what you're going to do, right? You're going to tackle that guy. Get in the right position. Bam! He gets knocked down again. And those experiences will help you either decide, I don't want to play football anymore, or I better get in the right position. And I think there's times where God is moving with His presence, and we're not ready, and, and we're not so sure we like the outcome. We're not so sure we like it like that, and then we have to decide, am I going to keep doing this, or am I going to get in the right position? Our position as Christians has to become in humility, supplication, which would be, I'm asking God. I'm not telling Him. I'm asking Him, Lord, please. And then there has to be that desire to continue to go after it. Because He doesn't always just show up, Johnny, on the spot. Sometimes there's a delay. For this man, 38 years. Now, you want to know what I think when I read that story? Jesus is in a place where the whole ground is covered with lame people, and he healed one guy. What kind of Jesus do we serve? Why didn't he just walk through all of them and say, you're all well. You're all well. You're all well. But I also don't think he had a whispered conversation with that man. I think he said to the man, get up and walk. Where a bunch of people could hear. And if they could see that the guy that's had that problem for 38 years can get up and walk, then why can't I get up and walk? Does God have to speak to you individually for it to happen? Or can you move by faith because of your position to say, if he can do it for her, he can do it for me. If he can do it for that guy in the Bible, he can do it for me. And I don't have to hear him. I don't have to see a sign. I can say by faith, Lord, you can help me be healed. You can help me stick it through this. You can do what only you can do, but I'm going to do my part. And that's me being in the right position instead of saying, oh, I don't know. I, I don't know why so-and-so always gets to talk to God, but I never hear from him. Get in position. Get in your position. This stance, again, not so much the outward as the spiritual inward. Sometimes lack of movement is exactly what's needed. God even says, be still. And know that I am God. Now, I read that two separate ways. And I think they can both, in my world, in Tony's world, they can exist at the both at the same time. One way I see that is, would you quit running around? <laughs> Be still. 
All your work isn't going to get it done. But then there's the other side that exists at exactly the same time. You need to remember that I'm God and you're not. You be still. You focus on me. You position yourself in me. You position yourself for whatever you're asking for. And this is not just about healing this morning. This is however we pray, whatever we pray. We position ourselves and remember that He is God. And if He wants you to have it, you can have it. But you better know what that means. You better know what you're asking. You better pray according to His will. That's part of positioning. But sometimes... We're running around trying to get a word, trying to get a fix, trying to get this, trying to get that. We're trying to work it out ourselves, and that's not what he's called us. He's like, just slow down. Get in your private space. I want to hear your heart. I want you to say those words, Lord, I'm ready to be healed. I'm ready to be set free. I'm ready to have my marriage restored. I'm ready to stop playing around with the world. I'm ready to, whatever it is you need to say, is your positioning point. And he's like, now I see that you're ready. Enough with the games, enough with the, all the stuff on the outside. We see that you're positioned on the inside. Let's go to another passage. It's going to be Second Chronicles chapter 20. It's such a great passage. And I'll cue you up as to what's going on here. The people Israel are facing an overwhelming foe, an overwhelming army that is against them. They've seen this time and time again. They feel like there's no hope. They don't know what to do. They look to the king. You're the leader. What are we supposed to do? And something amazing happens, and it talks all about this positioning. And yes, this is Old Testament, and this is pre-Jesus, but I think this hits at the foundation of what we can see and what we can do to allow ourselves to position ourselves to be where God wants us to be. And here's what he says. Now, all of Judah, all that tribe, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, they did what? They came and stood before the Lord. Look at they're already positioning themselves. They're not hanging out in their tents. They're not just going about business. All of them, all of them that are facing the problem, they all came together and they stood before the Lord. Verse 14. Then something amazing happens. Look what happens. They all position themselves. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son. He's going through this whole list of people, right? He's a Levite of the sons of Asaph. In the midst of the assembly, he's standing there. And the Spirit comes upon him. Imagine if he'd been gone that day. Only two things can happen. The people are waiting and waiting until he shows up, or God uses those that are positioned. Right? And he says, he's been moved on by the Spirit, and here's what he says, Listen, all of you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and even you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Don't be afraid, don't be dismayed because of this great multitude. They're looking out, they can see all this huge army against them, and he's telling them, don't be afraid. Yeah, right. 
Don't be dismayed. How are we supposed to win this? There, there's no hope against me for this. This is, this is horrible. Verse 16. Tomorrow, go down against them. See the positioning? You think you're scared now. I want you to go down and line yourself up to fight. We're going to get killed. This is horrible. And he didn't just stop there. Thank God. They will come up by the ascent of Ziz. He's even telling him, I'm going to tell you where the enemy is going to come. Isn't that amazing? And you'll find them at the end of the brook. Look at this. He's saying they're going to show up here and they're going to show up here. Isn't that good to know that God's like, hey, you're afraid? I'm going to tell you where they're going to be. But you're going to go down to face them. Hang on. Look what he says. Verse 17. You're going to go down to face them, right? But you will not need to fight in this battle. But it doesn't stop there. What's he say? Position yourselves. Who does what? God's doing his part, and then we're supposed to do what? Position ourselves. I can't position you. Your mom and dad, your spouse, your best friends, they can't position you. You need to position yourself to hear and receive from God what you've been wanting to hear and receive. Nobody else can do it for you. Nobody else can stand in the gap for you except for you. You position yourself. And look what he says. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. You go out against them for the Lord is with you. Now, I know you may be thinking like me, well, then why do we need to go out? If you're going to fight them, why can't we just relax at home? Because it's more than just this incident. It's about turning their hearts and their minds to trust God. That he said to do it, they're going to do it. And there's other times in the future that they're going to face a foe. They're going to face difficulties. They're going to face obstacles where they're still going to have to face it. But God is with them and God is with you. You think you're facing something you can't possibly overcome. But God is with you. Now the question is, what's your position? And I want you to I want you to hear from my heart very clear this morning. This is not cynical. It's very practical. Pragmatic, whatever you want to call it. Sometimes our position, when things are going bad, is to distance ourselves from God. And I don't understand it, but it's the way our flesh responds. Things are going hard. We start skipping church. We stop, uh, we stop praying. We stop worshiping. We start getting busy trying to fix the problem instead of drawing close to God. Sometimes our position is laziness. We sit on our butts 
dialing in Facebook and TV when we should be praying through the problem. And then we want to whine about it. Well, God doesn't seem to be... Are you praying about it? Is it that important to you? Are you that much in agony about it that you can't even pray? That you can't even fast? That you can't even intercede? Souls are at stake. You're crying to the pastor because your daughter's not saved, but you're not praying for her and you want him to pray for her. You should be on your face. You should be crying out to God. You should be positioning yourself as mom or dad crying out for that person's heart to be turned. But what do we do? I don't have time for that. It's positioning ourselves. At best, we're like the man in John 5. It's not my fault. Nobody helps me. If God is for us, we don't need any other help. You know what you've been called to do. You know you've been empowered with prayer. You know you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got enough right there to position yourself to find victory through Jesus Christ. And some battles you've got to fight and some you don't. But if you don't prepare yourself, you won't know which ones to fight and which ones not to. Because he didn't fight all of them for them. <laughs> but there's several times where he says... I'll take care of this. I'll take care of this. Other battles you're going to have to fight, and I'm still with you. But other battles, I got this. In those big battles that he knows you can't win, he's got this. But you still have to position yourself. Don't assume the the role of the whiny person. And even worse, we see, even from those that were closest to him, A man named Peter that was zealous and passionate and bold and rash. And he says, Lord, I'll never let anything happen to you. I'll die by the sword. Here's a man that cut off some other guy's ear trying to defend Jesus. And yet Jesus said to him, I've got to go up to Jerusalem. I'm going to be handed over to the council. They're going to find me guilty and I'm going to die. And Jesus stepped in front of Jesus. Peter stepped in front of Jesus, put his finger in his chest and said, there's no way I'm letting that happen. I disagree with your plan. I disagree with that decision. There's no way, Lord. Don't let that be. And Jesus being Jesus reminded Peter of his position. You remember the story? Get behind me. Where are you? What's your position? You want to call the shots? You want to point the way? You keep saying to God, uh, I disagree with how you're running my life. I disagree with this stuff I'm going through. I don't like these plans. You know what he's telling you this morning? Get behind me. You forgot who's leading and who's following. You forgot who's God and who's not. You forget who goes out and is always victorious. You forget who the king of kings is. You have forgotten who is the commander of the host of the armies of heaven. You've forgotten that I'm the healing God. You've forgotten I'm the saving God. You've forgotten those things because you're out in front of me. You're no longer following. And thank God for Peter He did get behind him. But if we're not careful, if we're not mindful, we can get ahead of God. 
In fact, we put ourselves in front of Jesus and we're actually blocking Him from the direction He wants to go in our lives and in our prayers. And, and, and pretty soon we realize that we're not hearing what we want to hear because He's saying, I'm telling you, get behind me. When you start following again, it will be clear. You let me handle the leading. You let me handle the timing. You let me handle the difficulties. You just follow me. 